Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person. And I appreciate you. And I know exactly what you like all at the same time. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, the zen seeker, the artist, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. A gifting moment is always around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Gift easy with Gift Mode on Etsy. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to Spooky. I'm Johnny. And I'm Tyler. And this is a weekly podcast that's also known as Satan's Gay Men's Chorus. <laughs> yeah, and we all sing off-key. And we only know two songs. One is an arrangement of Confessions of a Broken Heart by Lindsay Lohan from her short-lived pop career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the second is just a medley of Climax songs. Listen, it might only be two songs, but they're two really good songs. Climax has way more than two songs, thank you. Oh, no, I meant the songs by the Satan's Gay Men's Choir. Oh, okay, I was gonna say thank you. It goes way beyond meeting in the ladies' room and the men all pause. Uh-huh. Yeah, although they will be heavily featured, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So when people find themselves going under in the afterlife the first thing they hear is i had to leave my condo to come to this right but i'm back and this time i'm with my <laughs> man yeah i love it's that. gonna be wild uh-huh. baby. yeah welcome <laughs> all right so welcome everyone welcome episode 117 we made it one one seven baby now do you want to get into some spooky gay bullshit yeah let's get right straight into it cool because i think we have at least two or three things to talk about uh-huh now first thing we should just address this out the gate yeah they've dropped a new season of drag race on us it's coming yeah so i guess we're going to be talking about it uh during spooky gay bullshit in future episodes after the new year uh-huh because 
WTF Drag Race Season 13 is premiering on January 1st. Yes, but we have an Ellie and Kelly dilemma. Yeah. Because there is going to also be on January 14th, the second season of Drag Race UK. Yeah. So, so what are we going to do? They're going to overlap, baby. I don't know. We're going to have to maybe carve out some space in the Secret Society to talk about one. Maybe just we just won't talk about any of them. Oh, no. no. Um, fuck that. <laughs> no. But the thing is, we just have a whole bunch of Drag Race coming at our face from all angles come 2021. And while I do think it is a lot real early, yeah. I'm also not 100% mad at it because why not just say hey january 2021 cultural reset new president in the white house in the u.s yeah let's start new baby yeah two seasons of drag race back to back it's literally going to be a thursday friday block yeah Uh so get into it let us know who your favorites are yeah but i mean we don't know who the queens are going to be from uk yet but we do know who the queens are going to be from season 13 so let's talk about them well yeah very quickly yeah Um, who's your fave well i'm gonna say candy muse oh my god god (laughs) is also the other Mm -hmm. big one for me same and then I would also say I really like Utica. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of other queens on there that I really like. I really like Tina Burner. I've known about them for a while and I'm excited. Yeah. Even though their Meet the Queens wasn't necessarily the best. But it's hard to judge anybody off of a three-minute interview. Yeah. Especially when it's a three-minute interview where maybe you had a really long day or you're really tired or you're really nervous. That's the tea. So yeah, I'm pretty excited for the new season. And by the way, we finally got some trans representation on the show. Yes, we did. Yes, in the form of Gottnick, who's uh-huh. a trans man who does a drag that is rather alien. It's also sometimes crossing into a female illusion. I mean, drag kind of covers it all, baby. Yeah. But yeah, really great to finally see some steps in the right direction in terms of casting happening on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. And now how about for you? Are there any standouts? I mean, pretty much the same, Gottnick, but also Candy Muse. I've known about Candy Muse. We've known about Candy Muse for a very long time. T. And I'll tell you this right now. Candy Muse is going to bring the drama, and Candy Muse is going to bring the drama that you want. Like, Candy Muse is TV gold. She is sitting alone in the VIP. Truly. Yeah, and don't you dare call her Bulldog Aja. (laughs) Don't do it. she'll have something to say about that. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm really excited for Candy Muse because I just want to see her be, you know, released into the wild. We stand. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know how you feel, and we just can't wait. And I I will also talk about it when the UK queens come out as well. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we will. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have favorites, I'm sure. We'll have opinions. We'll need to share them. That's right. But we've got some more spooky gay bullshit to get into so do you mind if i go first sure yeah because i know that you are sitting on a real good one because Uh i think we all kind of know (laughs) there's an elephant in the room like there's some big news in the world of true crime yeah but before we get into that i just want to kind of keep it on the topic of queerness for a moment so if you follow us on instagram you may have seen us talking about this over the last week yeah but there is a really great initiative that is going on this holiday season that i just want you to know about so this is not sponsored this is not an ad but but this Christmas, the actor, India Moore, who's also an activist and many other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they truly are a multi-hyphenate. Uh, but they were one of the people who started this initiative called Trans Santa. And they've really taken off recently. Yeah. You can find them on Instagram at trans, T-R-A-N-S, Santa, all one word. And actually with only one S. So yeah, it's it, Trans Santa. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a nice combination of the two words. But it is this account that 
its whole meaning and purpose is to post the Christmas letters and wish lists of transgender, non-conforming, you know, non-binary, just kids that fall somewhere on the trans spectrum. And kid is also an all-encompassing term. Yeah. It can be someone in their childhood to somebody in their early adult life. Mm-hmm. But just people who are on the trans spectrum who need a little bit of help this Christmas. Yeah. So basically what it is, is they post every letter that is written into them. Mm-hmm. And then you can follow the link in their profile and you'll be brought to their letters, but also their wish list. So then you're able to purchase something from their wish list and have it sent directly to them. Yeah, and this is really great initiative because honestly, there are just a lot of intersecting obstacles that can really complicate the holidays for trans and non-binary people. Yeah. Some folks have the experience of not having a family that they can turn to during the holidays. Some people have the experience of having a family that they can go be with during the holidays, but their family who don't affirm their gender identity. So imagine being somebody getting items for Christmas from your family that do not affirm the gender identity that you live and you experience. That's extremely traumatizing to people. So this is a way for people to kind of take that back and to make the holidays, uh, you know, a more joyous thing for people across the board. Definitely. And you also see a lot of these letters where people are kind of, they can't justify getting something to treat themselves with. Because some people, depending on how they choose to transition, they have a lot of medical expenses that come along with that. Absolutely. And they can't justify buying this like item that they really like. But through this initiative, they're able to get that item through the generosity of others. Well, absolutely. And there is also a high percentage of the queer population that are people living with disabilities. And there are a lot of people that appear on the Trans Santa account that are also living with disabilities who are looking for items that are going to help them live a life that is just just, you know, a little bit easier. Like imagine being able to help somebody by not only giving them pieces of entertainment and comfort, but also just things that allow them to clean their house with ease. It's really empowering. It's a really great thing. And there's so much more to, you know, get from this. I mean, even if you can't give to a trans Santa this year, feel free to just share the account with people. Feel free to just look at some of the letters on there and some of the experiences. And, you know, it, it really is just a meaningful thing. And if anything, I could go on about this for minutes and minutes and minutes, and we could do a whole spooky gate bullshit talking about this. Yeah. But yeah, basically, I just wanted to shine a little bit of a spotlight on it. So you can find them on Instagram at T-R-A-N-S-A-N-T-A. And get into it, divas. Get into it. Yeah. Be holly, be jolly, honey. Yeah. And share the love (laughs) this season. Because, I mean, if you're able to, it's a great thing. And again, if you're not able to, share it around because there might be somebody in your life that can. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're finding your needs being met these holidays and people are asking you what you want for like a last minute gift or something like that, throw them the account and say, buy someone something on my behalf. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, spread it around, babies. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Now, I know we got some big stuff to get into. Yes, we do. This is, like you said, some big news that developed in the world of true crime. And I'm probably pretty sure. No, I am pretty sure. Not even probably pretty sure. I am very sure that most of us have heard about this because on December 11th, they announced that they have successfully decoded one of the Zodiac Killer's ciphers. Finally. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, like, whose group texts were on fire after this? <laughs> yeah. Raise your hand. Uh-huh. T. 100%. Now, this 
cipher was decoded by a trio of codebreakers. So David Ornishak, who's a software developer in Virginia, Jarl van Eyck, a Belgian computer programmer, mm-hmm. and Sam Blake, an Australian mathematician. So okay. they three of them together successfully decoded the cipher and they revealed an actual message. Oh man, send them all the nudes that they want. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, and only yeah. if they want them. That's right. Yes. Now, the cipher was in all capital letters and it didn't have a lot of punctuation and it actually included a misspelling of the word, word paradise. Ooh, who's the Dodiac now? Right? Yeah. Truly. But anyway, I'll read the letter and then we'll talk a bit about it. Okay. So, the letter said, I hope you are having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. Okay, run on (laughs) sentence, man. Listen, I ran out of breath while I was doing that. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, As a letter from the Zodiac, I'm a little disappointed. Absolutely. I thought it would be a little more clever than whatever the fuck this is. Totally. You expect them to be a little bit more like Dr. Claw? Yeah. Yeah. But they're more like Dr. Nah. Nah, absolutely. (laughs) Good one, Diva. (laughs) Thank you. Mm -hmm, Sparkling. Yeah. Now, I did read this article on CNN, and it actually gave some context to the letter. So apparently the TV show that the message is referring to was a local broadcast show called The Jim Dunbar Show, where I guess... um, at that point in time, somebody had called into the show claiming to be the Zodiac. Okay. So the Zodiac is confessing in this letter that, nah, it was not them who called into the show. I mean, it's not very relevant now. Sure. And the unfortunate thing, even for the Codebreakers, was that this letter doesn't really give a lot of information into who the Zodiac could have been. No, and didn't they misspell the word paradise? Oh, yeah, they Which did. is unfortunate because it is one of their most used words in that cipher. Yeah, I think at least three times. Absolutely. Yeah. And they spelled it like what? P-A-R-A-D-I-C-E, if I remember correctly? Yeah, like paradise. Like, yeah. roll a paradise. Mm-mm, honey. <laughs> there you go. But Ornichak, one of the people who was working on decoding this cipher, has actually been casually working on it since 2006. Oh. And he explained the process of doing that it was very very complicated with a lot of computers and programs basically i can't even explain it but if you if you want to know yeah if you tyler can't even explain it i can't even can you believe wow i me cannot even explain it but there is a great website zodiackillerciphers.com where you can get more insight into the process and hear it from the people who actually know what they're talking about and there's even a video about it now there are two other ciphers that have yet to be decoded and the unfortunate thing is they don't think they'll ever be able to decode them because it doesn't seem to be following the same code system and these other two ciphers are shorter than this one which makes the odds of being able to find any kind of pattern in the way that it's written less likely dang because i think even to find the one that they just decode it they had to go through like six hundred thousand different possibilities before they were able to kind of like strike one that could possibly work Ooh, that's too much it's too much yeah. but i mean the information has been handed over to the authorities who knows if it will lead to any more insight into the zodiac killer but 
don't hold your breath. We shall see. Yeah. Well, ding dong, darling. Mm-hmm. Good on those code breakers. <laughs> and I mean, right? hey, again, if you want to get nerdy with it, check out that website. Do it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all that we have for today. I think that's it. Yes. Now we get to get into the main event. Yes. But before we do, I want to check in with you. Do you have any oopsie poopsies? Do you have any housekeeping? No oopsie poopsies. One point for housekeeping. And it's in regards to the Secret Society. This Sunday on December 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are going to be gathering on Zoom for our craft night. Yeah. Where we're going to be making Krampus decorations. It's going to be super duper cute. You can see photos of it on social media and uh, yeah, get into it. Yeah, and you were saying that if you're not able to acquire clay to make them with, you can also do them with paper. Yeah, it's just cutouts, so you can assemble paper in the same way that you would assemble the clay. There's a cute idea. Mm -hmm. All right, we're into it. Now, I have two pieces of housekeeping that I just want to throw out there. Perfect. The first thing is a big thank you to all the legends and divas, and legendary divas, if you will, who reached out on Facebook, not Facebook, well, actually, yeah, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, Mm -hmm. all on my birthday. Thank you, divas. Yeah. That was so sweet. Yeah, Johnny turned into a 32-year-old lady on Monday. Absolutely. And the only unfortunate thing was that I wasn't able to go out and get birthday acrylics like I'd been hoping for (laughs) because we're in lockdown. But yeah, no, it was really sweet. And it was one of my favorite birthdays that I've had, I think. that's great. Yeah, it was really cool. And I'm so thankful for all you little babies. So that's just what I wanted to say about that. I just needed to relive my birthday for another moment. Sure, why not? Yeah, no, why not, babies? Okay, so next thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, we got a message on Instagram from Chloe. Oh, yeah. And this threw a little bit more tea about the Lowe's Filas murder house at Uh us. So it says, hi, angels. Very awesome episode this week. I wanted to mention that I've actually been in the Lowe's Filas murder house. My dad, who is an accountant, has a client named Lisa Bloom, who is a famous lawyer in California. She bought that very house. She lived there for a while, a year ago, and then tried to renovate it. So many things went wrong in the renovation, and she decided that it carried a negative gross energy. They moved out this year. I didn't even realize the house had such a dark history. Thank you for keeping me entertained. I love you both. And then there's a kissy face emoji. Oh my God, that's so iconic. I know, right? Yeah. Oh my God. So thank you so much for reaching out, Chloe. You are an absolute legend. 100%. And get into it. If you've also been to the Los Filos murder house, let us know. Now, I don't know if you are able to say that you've been in it. Right. Yeah. But around it. Yeah. We had somebody reach out as well and said that they had visited the uh, St. Augustine Lighthouse and that it was indeed a very spooky place to be. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we love it. Please, by the way, if we ever mention a place on this dang little show and you've been to it, reach out. Yeah. All the better if you have photos, too. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, we're lucky lose. Okay. (laughs) So that's all that I really have for today. When you get HubSpot Sales Hub, it's like getting a new teammate. An efficient, organized, helpful teammate who's also super easy to work with and won't microwave leftover shrimp scampi in the break room. Learn how you can close deals faster and crush your revenue goals with Sales Hub at HubSpot.com sales. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You good? We're good. I'm good. All right. Let's do this then. Yes. So I'm going first. Yes. Cool. 
I am so ready for this topic today because when I was looking for a topic, I was like, okay, I want to do something that's like a little bit true crime and I want to do something that's, you know, spooky ooky. Uh-huh. And I was like, what's true crime spooky ooky? You know, giving it a good think. Then it hit me. Ouija board murders. Right. We love them. We the do. people love them. So I went out and I found a really fun one that I hadn't heard of yet. Okay. Yes. Now, I don't necessarily mean fun in the ha-ha laugh a whole bunch kind of way. Sure. But Usually you know what I mean. Yeah. So get ready for a case that you probably haven't heard of before. You, It's actually, I don't think I actually found another podcast who talked about it. Maybe I'm just going to put it out there right now. Ooh. Maybe I'm just going to give it a nickname right now. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. I'm going to give a case a nickname. Okay, fuck. Okay. Get this. Today, <laughs> I am going to be talking about the Florida Ouija murderers. Florida Ouija murderers. Yes. Okay. But fancy nicknames aside, this is also the case of the murder of Nop Van Dang. Now, allow me to whisk you away to the year 1987. We are landing in a magical world, also known as Orlando, Florida. Very, very magical. Yeah, I mean, we know her and we know her well. Mm -hmm. Home of the Backstreet Boys. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, baby, they're from Orlando. Get (laughs) into it. Disney World, baby. Yes. So much more. Although, all that I can really think of right now are the Backstreet Boys and Disney World. And crocodiles, Johnny. Crocodiles. Oh, yeah. Sorry. How dare I? Now. This case focuses on a crew of young people, and actually two couples, in fact. So this is a little bit of a double date case. Okay. Yes. So the first couple that we're going to talk about is made up of 16-year-old Bunny Dixon and her boyfriend, Anthony Tony Allen Hall, who is 23 years old to Bunny's 16. Now, may I say something? Sure. Bunny Dixon. Is that her real name? From my understanding, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, truly, that name is made for the stage. It's true. Let's just say that now. What stage that is, I'm not going to tell you. All I'm going to say is they probably tip. Now, not much is known about them early on, but what we do know is that Anthony, or sorry, Tony. 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 Right. Yeah, no. You don't say my boyfriend, Anthony. You say my boyfriend, Tony. Yeah. If your name's Bunny, it's definitely my boyfriend. My 23-year-old boyfriend, Tony. Right. Yeah. Living in Orlando. (laughs) But for some reason, she's got a New York accent. Sure, because she's Bunny. She's been around. (laughs) She's Bunny. You know. Okay. Yeah. And she's got a little Playboy Bunny tattoo on her. No, she doesn't actually. No, but she probably has a really tiny purse on a chain. Oh, like Lizzo? Yeah. No, like not quite that tiny. Not novelty tiny, just like impractically tiny. Okay. We'll have to draw her after. Yeah, okay. okay, anyway, the thing is, Bunny had a fun name. She was really into Satanism. Okay. Anthony had a really impressive rap sheet. Get this. Um, prior to meeting Bunny in the summer of 1987, Anthony had actually been convicted of 10 burglaries. Ooh. That's quite a bit for 23. Sure. Yeah. And in June of 1987, Tony had actually just been released after serving two years of a five-year sentence for burglary. Oh, gosh. What did he steal? I don't know. Probably a lot of stuff. Yeah. That but feels like a long time for burglary. Sure. But I don't know. They let him out after two years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Tony was like, yo, I got this girl named Bunny. You'll love her. Right. Bunny's popping. Bunny's waiting for me on the other side. Yeah. So in June of 1987, when Tony gets out of jail, he and Bunny are totally a thing. Right. Now, while in state prison, Tony actually became fast friends with a guy named Daniel Bowen. Now, Daniel was 22 to Tony's 23. And he himself had just spent two years in prison for burglary from March of 1985 up until January of 1987. Okay. Yeah, so when Tony was out on the other side, he not only had his girl Bunny waiting for him, 
but he also had his new good Judy, Daniel, just waiting to hang out. Listen, here you go, why not? Yeah, and the great thing was that Daniel soon started to see a friend of Bunny's who had met Bunny at a juvenile detention home that she had lived in earlier, and her name was Elizabeth Rebecca Town, and she was 17 years old. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Yeah, so here is our crew. It's summer of 1987, the boys are finally out of jail, and you know, they're looking to get poppin'. And like I had been saying before, Bunny, the youngest in the group, was pretty into the occult. In fact, in the more salacious retellings of the events that I found, she's referred to as a, quote, devil worshiper. Uh, you can take that with a grain of salt, yeah, uh -huh. because this kind of happened in the middle of the satanic panic. But yeah, that's basically how this whole deal's being painted. Right, I get that. Absolutely. Now, at this point, Bunny decides to make some new friends. And she turns to some alternative means. Now, when I say new friends, I mean a 10-year-old dead boy named David. And when I say alternative means, I mean Ouija boards. Uh, so, okay, yeah, yeah, she starts talking to David. <laughs> hey, you got where I'm going here. Yes. Yeah. Now, can I just clock this? A 10-year-old dead boy named David? Oh, my God. Dear David. Very bad. Oh, baby. Yeah, Lisa Loeb, where'd you come from? Where'd that beautiful singing happen? She's always just waiting. Yeah, but anyway, it turns out that David had a lot of ideas about how to get the party jumping for summer of 87 for Bunny and her crew. So get into this. He instructs Bunny and her gang to leave their home in Florida go to Virginia, and join the carnival. Oh, sure. Why Virginia? I don't know. I, I This is a 10-year-old dead boy. Right. Who are you to question him? I don't know. I'm just wondering if, like, Virginia is particularly, like, Carnival. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there are just really good carnivals out there that we don't know of. Right. Yeah, maybe this little 10-year-old dead Floridian boy knows something that we don't. But regardless... It's live advice from a 10-year-old ghost. Uh -huh. So this whole crew is completely down. They're young, he's young, they're vibing on the similar frequency. Right. But there were a few issues with the plan. Primarily, the group didn't really have the means or a vehicle to make this happen with. Mm -hmm. Now, they would also need some serious wham walking around money. You know what I mean? <laughs> is that a thing? Sure. Wham? Yeah, I've heard it referred to before. <laughs> I just think it's snappy. Uh -huh. But the thing is, given that they're dealing with a 10-year-old ghost baby doling out advice, you'd think that this would be the time to start brainstorming for like a killer lemonade stand, maybe yeah. a babysitter's club, sure. maybe mow a fucking lawn. Yeah. Mm -mm, honey, though, David reportedly tells Bunny that the only way for her friend group to fund their Britney Spears Crossroads-esque trip uh -huh. that summer is to pull a stunt and, of course, kill and rob a motorist. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. So we're not just talking about robbery now. We're also talking about murder. Exactly. Just like Crossroads. Uh, yeah. I think I'm confusing it with Monster. <laughs> yeah. Two different movies. Yeah. <laughs> I always confuse Crossroads and Monster. You know how they're the same? It's so easy to do. They're both stories about a blonde protagonist. I know. True. Just hitting the road. All right. So they come up with a plan. Bunny and Rebecca are going to act as the decoys. They're going to pose as hitchhikers along some road in Orlando. While the whole time, Tony and Daniel hide out in the bushes nearby. Tony with his 22 caliber pistol, Daniel with his 36 caliber revolver. Okay. Now, they wait for a single unsuspecting driver to pull over to the two pretty young hitchhike dresses mm -hmm. on the side of the road, <laughs> and then they would make their move. Right. They'd rob him, they'd take the car, they'd hit the road to Virginia to live their 
best life at the carnival, all on the stolen dime of the victim. Yes. Yes. Now, this is a very presumptuous plan, I'd like to think. There's a lot of hopes and dreams going on here. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of looking at it with, like, the glass half full, expecting that the person isn't maybe going to try to, like, not give up their car. <laughs> totally. It's like, these people think that life is Grand Theft Auto, essentially. Yeah. But essentially, with this plan haphazardly put together, you know, all on the back of advice from a 10-year-old ghost baby, this crew was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So... July 20th, 1987 rolls up. The whole group sets out on their plan. Elizabeth and Bunny hit the road in Orlando. Tony has his 22. Daniel's got his revolver and they're hiding in the bushes. This is when they run into Nop Von Dang. He's a 25-year-old international student. He's originally from Vietnam and he had been living in Orlando. Okay. I do believe he had been living in Orlando specifically, but unfortunately there's not a lot of biographical information around about Nop. Right. Uh, but essentially he, you know, was just a new resident in the area. He was driving around doing his thing on his own. He sees these two young hitchhikers on the side of the road and decides to pull over to help them out right but the next thing he knew he was the unlucky driver in their whole master plan mm -hmm. so when Nop pulls over the guys come out of the bushes and rush him at gunpoint they four of them basically force themselves into his car and then they just begin driving with him in the car with them oh no yes and they're holding guns to him so he is just trying to kind of keep the situation all on the level just hoping that they would just, you know, leave him, take the car, and, you know, that everything would go best case scenario for him at this point. Sure. Yeah, because, you know, there aren't a lot of places for this situation to go. Uh-uh. So... They are driving along with Nop in tow. Once they get to a deserted spot in Orlando, the group pull over and they force Nop out of the car. They steal everything that he has on his person, and then, basically, they bind him and they gag him with tape. Uh. Then they force him into the trunk of his vehicle. When they look at what they stole from him, they only really got a credit card and $120 in cash. Right, that's not a lot of walking around money. No, and you also have to consider, I mean, like, I remember, at least pre-digital, some folks were real stingy about who got to use what credit card. So if you were in, like, Southern America and you were some white kid walking around with a card that said NOP on it, yeah, like N-G-O-C, the person at the Piggly Wiggly might not exactly think it's your card. Totally. It makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. So it's a pretty precarious situation, but the four aren't really thinking. Uh -huh. They get NOP in the trunk, he is bound and gagged, and they get back in the car. They start driving north through Florida on Interstate 95 yeah. into the night. Now, they continue just north of Daytona Beach, where after midnight, so now we're on July 21st of 1987, uh -huh. they pull over in a wooded area just off of Interstate 95 near the borders of Volusia and Flagler. Okay. Now, the next step in their plan involved taking care of Knob, and unfortunately, they had reached it. They pulled Knob out of the trunk of his own car once they had pulled over in this wooded area. He was still bound and gagged, of course. And then Bunny allegedly carves an inverted cross into his chest with a butterfly knife that she had had on her. So a butterfly knife is like a switchblade. It's just another name for it. Okay. Uh, but basically, after that was complete, it was then said that Tony Hall and Daniel Bowen just began shooting Nop Dang a total of seven times in the head, torso, and neck. They just took turns shooting him one by one. Overkill. Absolutely. Until he passed away then and there. Jesus Christ. Now, 
Both couples basically ditch the body in the woods and then continue along their way along Interstate 95. However, the double date wasn't all fun and games like the couple had expected. Mm -hmm. Because later on, on July 21st of 1987, basically as the day went along, the couples just ended up fighting. It it was Tony and Daniel who were said to have started it, but the two of them just got a bit hot-headed with it. And, you know, it just started spinning out of control. Now... By this time, they had just about reached North Carolina. So they had been hitting it pretty hard north. They had gotten about two or three states through at this point. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not an expert in the Americas, people. (laughs) I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I looked at a map, though. I'll say. Now, basically, once the couple start to argue in North Carolina, they split up. And by this, I mean that Bunny and Tony ditched Daniel and Elizabeth in North Carolina. And did they take the car or did they ditch them with the car? Oh, no. They took the car. Uh-huh. Now, Bunny would. Well, yeah. It's totally a bunny move. Here's the thing, though. This is not the time to get sloppy. No. You've just pulled a really big stunt with another couple who have tea to spill on you now. True. This is kind of like inviting a third or a fourth into the bedroom who's just going to go chat about it to everyone at the water cooler on Monday. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Girl, you have to watch yourself. So basically, uh, as soon as they could get to a phone, Daniel and Elizabeth call the police in Weldon, North Carolina. And it is then that Elizabeth Town and Daniel Bowen decide to pull the ultimate stunt and tell the police that they had been kidnapped by Bunny and Tony, and they essentially watched the couple rob and kill a man, and then they took them on the road with them, dumping them in North Carolina. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so basically, they had told the police that what had happened was that uh, they got picked up by the couple in this car. They didn't really know what was going on, but then they pulled over, and all of a sudden, they just pulled this, they described it as an Asian man out of the back of the truck. Okay. And, you know, things just took off from there wait so they're making like they don't know who tony and bunny are at all no they're making it out to be like oh yeah these were our friends but they picked us up in a strange vehicle all this kind of stuff happened so the welton police are of course very interested in all this so they call the orlando police to see if they can kind of corroborate the story and see if a crime has been reported recently or if a body has been discovered right but there's been nothing so the orlando police decide to reach back out to david bowen via telephone and he relayed the story to them Now, wanting to meet with Daniel Bowen, who, sorry, I just called David, but we all know it's Daniel. Yeah. Oopsie poopsie. David is the ghost boy. Yes, baby. That's a raw oopsie poopsie. But basically, the police in Orlando really wanted to talk to the couple. So, in an effort to meet with them, on July 22nd, Chief Harrington in Orlando bought a meal and a pair of Greyhound tickets for Daniel and Rebecca out of his own pocket in an effort to coax them down to Orlando. But it was said that they never actually got on the Greyhound. Right. Now, thankfully, the police ended up having an address for the couple in Orlando because they had been talking to them and collecting information up until a certain point. Sure. So ultimately, they were able to follow up on that address. And once the two of them made their way back down to Florida after a few days, they were basically able to kind of get them in and start talking to them. Right. Now, at this point, the couple gives full oral statements. They're all tape recorded and they kind of give the same story again. Then after the confessions are given on tape, the couple take the police to the location where they had seen Nop Van Dang's body being dumped along Interstate 95. Right. 
right. which confirms everything that they had just told him and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Now, once they get to the scene of the crime, they get written statements from the couple. Elizabeth explains that she and Daniel had gone driving with the couple, like I'd been saying, in what they found out was a stolen car. Mm-hmm. They saw weapons in the front. I guess it was knives in the front seat. Bunny had been playing with a gun, allegedly. This is stuff that got added in the written confession. I guess Bunny had been like pointing a gun at them in a rather threatening manner. Okay. And then, uh, essentially, like they said before, they stopped in the woods, randomly, like in a hangover. They just pull this guy out of the trunk and then decide to ritualistically carve an inverted cross into his chest and start shooting him right there in front of these two bystanders who are just completely mortified and don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit far-fetched. Absolutely. (laughs) So then they essentially say that they had been stranded by Bunny and Tony, who continued along their way in the victim's stolen car. And without many options to choose from, the couple hitched a ride north and then decided to call the police once they ended up in North Carolina. Okay, that part's confusing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a little bit shaky, honey. Yeah. Now, the thing is, at this point in the day, you know, they're at the crime scene. It's allegedly about 1.30 in the morning. So it's been a pretty long day of investigation. Sure. So it was said that there were no buses going back to Orlando and the couple would have to stay the night somewhere around the area. So it was figured out that they would be put in the local jail in protective custody. Uh-huh. Now, this kept them around a little bit longer. So the next day, in the afternoon, before they had gone back down to Orlando, it had been decided that the Volusia police would actually be handling the investigation. Okay. The unspoken tea is that there had been some kind of boring behind the scenes back and forth going on about who exactly was going to be running the investigation because the body had been found on a border, like I was saying, like it was in a wooded area that was kind of between two counties. Yeah, we've heard of those kinds of situations happening before in crimes. It's like, who's responsible for solving this crime? Absolutely. And because there are some different counties that are kind of butting up with each other, this meant that the two would have to give statements yet again. And thankfully, they were around to do it. Now, the thing is, when they give the new statements to the Volusia police, this time there's a difference because the statements actually conflicted. And this led the police to believe that there was something up with the story that the couple was giving them. Sure. So... At this point, it was said that one of the cops, an officer Boucher or Busher, raised his voice to Daniel and basically said that he just better tell the truth and that he could only really help himself in this situation by telling the truth. Yeah. And then in a completely chill and, you know, inconspicuous manner, Daniel requested to spend some time alone with Elizabeth. <laughs> Yeah, he was just like, can we talk privately for a second? Uh And basically, he got about 25 minutes alone to talk to Elizabeth. And then afterward, he came out and gave his second recorded oral confession. And the police were just a little bit skeptical. And then it was just said that uh, they kind of took him into a room and good cop, bad copped him, just like in the movies. Like, two different officers just tried as many tactics as possible with him. Sure. And it didn't really take long for Daniel to be the one to just spill the beans. Right. Yes. So this is great. The police finally have a confession on their hands. But at this point, they also are missing two big pieces of the puzzle. That's right. Bunny and Tony. Absolutely. Bunny and Tony, the hotshot murderous couple on the go. All right. Who could forget about Bunny and Tony? But don't worry. It doesn't take long. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Bunny and Tony are dum-dums. Right. Look at the material. So, (laughs) a short while later on August 1st, 1987, Bunny Dixon ends up getting arrested in Arkansas. So, get this. Okay. She was discovered because two young men in Salem, Arkansas were pulled over 
over on August 1st, 1987, because the local police had noticed that these two randos were just driving Knopf Van Dang's stolen car. Oh, they ran the plates and figured it out? Yeah, they were like, oh, who are those two joyriding over there? Oh, in a stolen murdered man's car. So they pull these guys over, they start questioning them, and uh-huh. the two are basically just like, oh, we got this car from our friend Bunny, which, I mean, hey, this just sends alarm bells going on with the police. Yeah, yeah, of course. So they follow up, and this basically leads them directly to Bunny. She had been uh, living with some relatives in the area, and she had said that she dropped off Tony on a state highway on her way. He said that he was hitching toward Missouri, so she was like, I think he's off there somewhere. Wait, they weren't even going to the carnival anymore? No, oh no, honey, they ditched the carnival. (laughs) They weren't even going to the family jamboree. Yeah, no, Bunny ditched Tony. Gosh. The power couple dismantled. I wonder if the little ghost child told her to do it. Maybe. Yeah. You know what? Maybe David was just trying to like wingman his way in there. Yeah. And now he's like out of the friend zone into the, you know, the zone. Right. In the zone. To yeah. To quote Brittany and Madonna. But anyway, basically, once they got Bunny, she said that Tony was headed toward Missouri. This allowed the police to tip off the police in Missouri, who then just started looking for Tony. Tony. Also, side note, they look in the car, and to kind of corroborate the story that they had gotten from Daniel and Elizabeth, there were knives and ammo found in the car, along with Bunny's personal copy of the Satanic Bible. Oh, did yeah. you have her name written in it in bubble letters? I'm sure, or like a This Book Belongs To <laughs> stamp in the front. Yeah. You know, one of those. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, it helped connect the dots a little bit further. Now, Tony Hall was discovered and arrested in Missouri, where he ultimately ended up confessing to twice. The first time to the police in Missouri, and then the second time to the cops in Volusia County, Florida. So once he was apprehended, he was basically just like, crown them divas, put these bracelets on these wrists. He was just like, you got me, gal. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So... Ultimately, all four were charged with the murder of Knopp Van Dang. They were indicted by a grand jury on August 26th of 1987. They were all tried separately, and Tony Hall was the first person to go. Now, when in trial, Tony was basically put up for first-degree murder, and he tried to come back at that and say, I didn't really mean to do it. I was forced to commit the murder at gunpoint under Daniel Bowen's control. He pulled his revolver on me, and I was just the middleman in all this. Right. I wish there was a sound effect for your eyes rolling. Absolutely. (laughs) And it would probably be like a... Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, he also tried to say that he was partially under Bunny's satanic control. Oh, of course. Yeah, because 16-year-old Bunny, according to him and a few other people, had sex with the devil and stuff like that. I mean, that's just absolute bullshit. Yeah. And preying on satanic panic. But basically, they tried to make it sound like Bunny was, you know, Goody Proctor in line with the devil over there. Sure. You know, yeah. sick and invisible birds on people and shit. Right. Now, his lawyer also tried to argue that he was an extremely weak-willed individual who was easily influenceable. So, again, they're blaming 16-year-old Bunny. Uh-huh. They also tried to argue that he was so godly and believed so hard in the Bible and all aspects of it that when faced with somebody who was, you know, so demonic such as Bunny, he would just act irrationally based on fear because he believed so hard, you know? Uh- 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you're going to interpret the Bible so literally and be so fearing, you're also afraid that there are, like, giant rings of eyeballs up in the sky. But this is it. Yeah, like those, like, weird, non-bodied, like, biblical monsters. There's a great YouTube video about, like, how horrifying biblical monsters are. I forget who made it, but go check that out. Yeah, I think those specifically were angels, right? Just these wheels of eyes. Yeah, like how terrifying angels actually are. And then there are other ones that are, like, have the cow's head, a man's head, a dog's head, and then, like, a serpent's head, and they're, like, a winged thing. Like, yeah, no. Uh T. This is not the Tony I know. But basically, this is Tony's trial. Now, Tony, first off, gets a death sentence. Oh. This ends up getting discussed a little bit later on, so don't worry about it. But he, of course, does not get let off the hook for this. Now, Bunny Dixon, when she gets taken to trial, she tries to deny that she carved a cross into Nop Dang's chest. Mm-hmm. Cool, go off, diva. But essentially, you know, that's all that she really has to stand on. Daniel Bowen tries to claim that he uh, didn't really do any of the shooting. He said that Tony and Bunny actually did all of it. Right. So he was just trying to point the blame in the complete opposite direction and hold to like our, the original story that he and Elizabeth were laying down. Right, that they were just kind of like along for the ride unwillingly. Yeah, and Elizabeth tried to do it too in her respective trial, but essentially this didn't hold up. All four of them ended up getting convicted. Now, like I said, Tony Hall was initially sentenced to death, but this was switched over to a life sentence. He has been imprisoned since. Aside from a four-month stint in January of 1991 when he attempted to escape. Oh. Yes. Now, maybe he got put into, like, legal limbo for four months, and, you know, maybe he didn't escape for four months. I had a hard time reading his prisoner report, but he did have an attempted escape or escape in 1991, and she got in trouble for it. Uh-uh. It made the record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He went to the principal's office. Yeah. But uh, Daniel Bowen was also charged with first-degree murder, and he also received a life sentence. Right. Now, the two of them, still in prison. Elizabeth Town pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, and she got a 17-year sentence. Yeah, so... She got out about 2006-ish. I was going to say, I don't really know what she's doing these days, but I'm not going to talk shit. No? Yeah, whatever. You know what? Like, maybe she is trying to restart her life from the telling of events. She didn't really seem to have that much to do with it, so that's it right because also how old was she she was 17 yeah she would have been tried as a minor right uh i'm not quite sure about that one but essentially she just got a 17 year sentence now bunny ended up getting a 50 year sentence but it was said that she was released around 2007 oh yes now i don't know where she is what she's doing but again I'm going to respect her privacy on this one. You know, like, I'm not even going to post her mugshot or anything like that on the Instagram. Like, it's just not necessary. I feel like there are a lot of people that try to paint her as, you know, the devil-worshipping master of puppets and all this. And it just doesn't really sound like that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, I mean, those two guys that had a little bit more of a criminal history were the ones that did the killing. So, I mean, it's not like there's really anyone right in this situation. No. Outside of Nop. but. Yeah, no, that's just kind of where it stands. So Bunny Dixon ended up getting 50 years, but again, she was released after not that many. So she is out on the go. And David, the little baby ghost, Uh well, (laughs) who's to say? (laughs) We don't know. No, all that we know is that that devil bitch just got to keep on drifting through the afterlife. Right. It's like the little dumpster pig he is. Yeah, off into the ether to, you know, convince somebody else to commit Grand Theft Auto and murder. Yeah, oink, oink. 
goes yeah. to that little dumpster pig. All right, so uh, that's it. That is the case of the murder of Nop Van Dang, also known as the Florida Ouija Murderers. Damn. Yes. Now, thank you to my sources. Thank you to Associated Press News for Jury Recommends Death and Satanic Slang, written by AP in March 21st, 1989. Thank you again to AP News for Jury Recommends Death and Satanic Slang, written by Associated Press in March 22nd, 1989. Strangely, two different articles with the same name. Mm. Funny how that works. Also, thank you to the Orlando Sentinel for Satanism Plea, Can't Save Killer, written by Sharish Date in March uh, 23rd of 1989. Thank you to the Orlando Sentinel for the second time for the article Expert Killer Wasn't in the Right Mind, written by Sharish Date on March 21st of 1989. And thank you to the Orlando Sentinel for the article Jury Convicts Third Suspect in Murder Inspired by Satan, written, you guessed it, by Sharish Date on May 6th of 1989. Thank you to Justia for the court case of Hall versus the state of Florida from September 6th of 1990. You can find the entire transcript and all that kind of court case document there. Not a full transcript. You get what I mean. Yeah. Legal mumbo jumbo. <laughs> also, thank you to bailbondshq.com for the Florida State DOC inmate details on Daniel P. Bowen, Bunny Dixon, and Anthony Allen Hall. Thank you to the book, The Encyclopedia of Kidnappings by Michael Newton, which was published by Facts on File in 2002. And finally, thank you to one of my new favorite websites, casetext.com for the legal paperwork on the case of Daniel Bowen versus the state of Florida, which was tried on August 9th of 1990. And I do believe that it was compiled by the District Court of Appeal in Florida, 5th District. Bam. Bam. And thank you, Johnny. Another Ouija board murder. I know. Who'd have thought? There are actually a bunch. Yeah. You know yeah. what? I'm kind of surprised, but also not surprised. What can I say? Ouija talks, baby. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to your next true crime obsession. Don't miss new BritBox original drama, The Sixth Commandment, which The Guardian calls as immaculate a piece of TV as you will ever see. You will hear evidence of extreme gaslighting. Help me, please. I am going to be waiting on you, hand and foot. Stream this plus the best selection of British true crime series anywhere, only on BritBox. Once you start investigating, you won't be able to turn away. Start streaming today with a free trial at BritBox.com. All right, Johnny, so I guess it's my turn. Yeah, the floor's all yours. Great. Now, I will say, I feel like these past couple of weeks, we've been uh, theme queens yeah. on that spooky. We've been vibing, yeah. as they would say. Yeah. Yeah. Because last week, I talked about a haunted lighthouse, and you talked about a haunted murder house. Well, I mean, the jury's out on whether or not the murder house is haunted, but I get you. Right. Yeah. Two allegedly haunted structures. Yeah, some infamous buildings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now this week, you've talked about a Ouija board murder, and this week, I am going to be talking about a different type of board used to invoke demons and spirits. Oh, another form of divination. That's correct. I love this. Have you ever heard of the Charlie Charlie Challenge? Okay, kind of. Okay. I think it's kind of like Momo, right? Just like 
internet spooky ooky stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that some people really took for being really, really real. Like, I don't know. For me, it just kind of exists in the same territory as like those chain letters that are like, there is a little girl that's going to end up at the foot of your bed tonight. And this is what she looked like. Right. Unless you send this email to 100 people. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're not totally wrong, but there is a little bit more to the story and the origin of the Charlie Charlie challenge. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to completely piss all over your topic. <laughs> it's totally I love that. Fun. Wouldn't that be the episode uh -huh. if you were like, oh, have you ever heard about this thing? And then I just completely <laughs> shit it out. Yeah. Just steamroll. Yeah. I just give you the entire topic and I'm like, boom, I got your boyfriend. What are you going to do now? Right. The shortest episode of that spooky ever. Yeah. And then we quit and break up. <laughs> right. How wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But should we get into it? Should we talk about yeah. the Charlie Charlie challenge? Let's do this. Okay. So, in May of 2015, Colombian news sources were aflame with reports of four young teenage girls living in the Dominican Republic, sorry, living in Dominican Republic, not the Dominican Republic as I learned this week. Thank you. But they were living in Dominican Republic and they were being rushed to the hospital because they were in need of medical attention. Okay. Now, the teenage girls were experiencing an onset of rashes, paralysis, convulsions, and other types of inexplicable medical conditions. Mm -hmm. Doctors at the hospital were able to treat the teenagers who recovered rather quickly, but what the doctors couldn't explain was how these symptoms flared up in the first place. On paper, these four teenagers were perfectly healthy. There was nothing in any of their medical histories that would suggest that they were predisposed to any of these medical conditions, and yet it happened. Okay. So, although science failed to explain what had happened, it came to light that just before these symptoms occurred, the four girls were playing the soon-to-be-infamous Charlie Charlie game. Work, you spooky little things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you might be asking, Tyler, what is the Charlie Charlie Challenge? Definitely. Now gather around pussycats, because I'm going to tell you. Is it a TikTok thing? No. 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 I think this was a little bit pre-TikTok. Oh, 2015, okay. I think it was still... It was um, still musically at that that's point. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Vine was the thing. Oh. We love Vine. Better days. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, the Charlie Charlie Challenge is a game that you can play pretty much anywhere. You can play it alone, you can play it in groups, though some suggest that you shouldn't play it at all. Okay. Now, the makeup of the game is very simple, as it's a paper and pen game. All you need is a piece of paper and two pencils. Mm -hmm. So on the piece of paper, you draw a cross to create four boxes. And in those boxes, you write the words yes and no. So two boxes marked yes, two boxes marked no. Then you take the two pencils. You lay one pencil along the first line of the cross, resting it on the paper, and then you take the second pencil and balance it on the first along the second line of the cross. Okay. Once you've done this, you're ready to play. Now, you and whoever else is playing along will gather around the paper board and ask in unison, Charlie, Charlie, are you there? And then you wait for an answer. At some point, the pencil balancing above the board will start to move. And when it does, you're in the game. Okay. And when's the part when they kiss? <laughs> That's later. That comes later. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when they spin the pencils. That's right. T. Yeah. Now, if the pencil moves to yes, you'll know that Charlie is with you. If the pencil moves to no, you know that someone or something is with you. Mm -hmm. Now, this is probably starting to sound pretty familiar because Charlie Charlie is a summoning game. It's akin to the Ouija board, but the Charlie Charlie game is built for the schoolhouse. 
So step aside, Mash. Step aside, Cootie Catchers. Charlie Charlie is here to fuck shit up. Okay. I was going to say, this is kind of like a more demonic version of Mash. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't really take me there, so I didn't think it was germane to the conversation. But, oh. I mean, look, we welcome a contender, but Mash is iconic. It's very iconic. And very sexy. But you know what? I never played Mash. No? I only played a Mash in my adult life. Oh, damn. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mr. Fancy Pants never played Mash. We didn't grow up with Mash. I didn't grow no. up with Mash. You didn't have enough female friends. Oh, I did. But mm. we played cats instead oh and buffy fair enough i once brought a broken um uh leg of a chair to school Mm -hmm. to play buffy because it looked like a steak and i hid it in my jacket all day long that's great right i drew on the top of it with uh a red marker sure like blood oh yeah no that is (laughs) i'm sure that would have gone over well if somebody had discovered that in your coat yeah Mm -hmm. it would have but it was a great prop. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what the principal would say. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, let's get back to Charlie Charlie. Please. So, when you play Charlie Charlie, you can't just stop playing Charlie Charlie. You can ask Charlie as many yes and no questions as you like, but you don't get to decide when the game is over. Charlie does. So, you have to ask his permission before dismantling the game. If you don't, you might regret it. Mm-hmm. Now, who is Charlie? According to legend, the Charlie Charlie game is a traditional Mexican game. And spoiler alert, it isn't. It has no history specific to Mexico or Mexican culture, but ultimately the origin of the games is widely unknown. But it is the popular belief that it is a Mexican summoning game. Sure. I think legend says that just because it gives it some more validity rather Mm -hmm. than it just being like, oh, it's just this random game that popped up on the internet. Of course. And in Trump's America, the right kind (laughs) of idiot will find that very spooky ooky. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh my lord, another way for those Mexicans to get in the heads of our children. Right. My god, this wall cannot be built quickly (laughs) enough. Now, It is believed that Charlie Charlie is a traditional Mexican game, and so it is believed that Charlie is the spirit of a dead Mexican child. Alternatively, though, Charlie can also be described as a demon who presents itself as a child named Charlie, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like Demon 101. Oh, totally. That's like straight up demon shit. Yeah. They'll always first sort of show themselves as a child because it's a disarming image and they'll like allow the demon in to like hang and chill. You know, you'll share a juice box with it. Super cute. All of those things. Demon tings. That's right. Yeah. Now, like I said, no one knows the origins of the Charlie Charlie game, but it seemingly rose to popularity overnight in May of 2015. Now, some people have related the game to the popular Spanish game, which is called Juego de la Lapicera, which I believe translates to the pen game. Now, while it's also been related back to another popular South American game involving colored pencils. So for this game, I couldn't find a a full description of it, but I did find a video online. Fierce. It's in Spanish, but I'll do my best to describe it. Essentially, two people hold out six pencils in such a way that it forms a rectangle. And then when a spirit is near, the free ends of the outer pencils that create the longest side of the rectangle will push outward to create a hexagon. Okay. It probably doesn't make sense to envision it, but it's a thing. Should we put a video on Instagram? Can we put a video on Instagram? We probably can. Yeah. Yeah, we'll We'll give it a shot. Either way, that part doesn't really matter so much. The part that matters is that this game was called 
Charlie Charlie, and it was being played in Spanish schoolyards as early as 2011. Okay. So it's believed that over time, this version of Charlie Charlie combined with the pen game to create the Charlie Charlie game that became popular in 2015. And again, the popularity of the Charlie Charlie game was incited by the incident in the Dominican, where the four teenagers were rushed to the hospital with medical ailments immediately after playing the game. So kids heard about this and they were like, I want in. Exactly. Now, when news broke of the schoolgirls who were hospitalized after playing Charlie Charlie, the news became global news and it was a shit show from the jump. Yeah, because pre-pandemic, all these kids around the world are like, oh my god, those four students in Dominican Republic got out of school early? I want to play Charlie Charlie. <laughs> that's exactly it. I mean, that's where I would be. Uh-huh. Just saying. And days after that incident in Dominican Republic, far away on the other side of the world in Fiji, the Charlie Charlie game was banned after a respected national news entity re-reported a satirical news report about the Charlie Charlie game, but they reported it as fact. Man, that's some podcast <laughs> shit right there. You right. know, like, no offense to us podcasters, but every now and then, I find it. Yeah, you we get find it, it. We all, Yeah, no, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the game was specifically banned in schools, and shortly after this ban was ordered, three school teachers in Tavua, Fiji, were accused of forcing students to play the Charlie Charlie game. What? Yeah. Now, these accusations came from parents of two school children, and because the game was banned, police were actually forced to investigate the incident. Dang. Interviews were conducted, reports were written, and after just a few days, the charges were dropped and a report file was given to the Ministry of Education for them to do with as they wish. They're just like, well, burn it. <laughs> exactly. We don't care. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm fairly certain that no teacher lost their job over the allegations. One would hope. That didn't mean that the Charlie Charlie game pandemonium was over because, honey, it was just beginning. Okay. Now, as the Charlie Charlie game gripped Fiji with fear, its popularity began to spread throughout South America, where similar trends in banning the game took place. Superstitious parents forbid children from playing the Charlie Charlie game at home or anywhere else. Some children were too afraid to even go to school because of the game, and some children couldn't even sleep at night in fear of Charlie. Damn. And people were genuinely terrified. And to some degree, the fear around the game was almost justifiable in the beginning. Four children from Dominican Republic had just suffered an onslaught of medical symptoms as a result of playing the Charlie Charlie game, mm -hmm. and no one wanted to endure the same fate. The question was, however, was the game really responsible for the ailments that these teenagers in Dominican Republic endured? Absolutely. The answer to that question is maybe? Yeah. Now, it's true that the doctors could not determine what had caused the girls to fall ill, but they did have a more scientific explanation for the incident. Okay. Group hysteria. Okay, I was going to say Charlie bit my finger, but, you know, <laughs> that's just me. A whole new meaning. Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those fucking kids. Listen, they're like adults now. I know, it's so wild. Uh -huh. Coming to a job interview near you, like, imagine standing across the desk from somebody, taking the resume and being like, oh my god. You, Charlie bit my finger. That's on your resume, you know? Yeah. Because it will be on their resume, I'm sure. I would hope so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're a child meme, one one would hope. Yeah. I That would be my, you know, resume. Cover. I would actually include the meme on my resume. Yeah. I'd be like, you might remember me from <laughs> such roles as the internet. Right. 
Now, as I said, doctors came to believe that what the girls had experienced was group hysteria. Mm -hmm. So they basically developed this group hysteria brought on by the Charlie Charlie game. So doctors felt that the teenagers were so scared of the Charlie entity that they truly believed that they had invoked it and consequently convinced themselves that they were possessed, which led to the physical ailments they suffered. Okay. Now, similar explanations had been given to describe other historical events like the meowing nuns, the dancing plague. Yes, we remember her well. We do. And even the Salem witch trials. Now, mass or group hysteria is not necessarily a satisfying explanation, but many medical professionals agree that it does exist. Mm -hmm. But of course, this rational explanation could not and cannot dissuade the more superstitious amongst us because conclusions like mass hysteria can be seen as nothing more than science trying to explain away the things that science simply cannot explain. Yeah, and also, let's just backtrack for a minute, not just the superstitious among us, but also the dramatic among us. Truly. May I please just take a moment to say, <laughs> let's not forget about the dramatic people. Yeah. As a representative of one of the dramatic people, let me sing my case. No, <laughs> sorry. Now, speaking of dramatic people, enter your religious right wingdings. Okay. It's my least favorite version of the font. Totally. Yeah. Now, I'm not calling people who believe in religion or spirituality wingdings necessarily, but people like televangelist Pat Robertson or ex-exorcist Father Jose Antonio Forte, they are winged. Oh, yeah. Or like Bob Larson. Yeah. That motherfuckers. Oh, by the way, if you want to get a really fun investigation, Ross and Carrie are currently doing a series where they become exorcists under the tutelage of Bob Larson. I absolutely love yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a multi-part series that they're doing on Ono, oh Ross and Carrie. Go turn that on after you're done listening to this podcast. We stand Ross and Carrie in this household. Get into it. Thank you. Now, as I was saying, Pat Robertson, he's an American televangelist, has been for basically ever since like the 1960s. Mm -hmm. And Father Jose Antonio Forte, for a time, served on like the exorcism council for, you know, the church. Sure. Yeah. He was an exorista. <laughs> Truly. I love it. Anyway, these two people, they really went out of their way to try and confirm that the Charlie Charlie game was real. Okay. Now, Pat Robertson and Father Jose Antonio Forte did not work together, but they each went to their respective news entities, and most of them right-winged media mm -hmm. or religious media, and warned the public about toying with the Charlie Charlie game. They're like, get me InfoWars on the phone immediately, thank you. 100%. Oof. They said it was extremely dangerous, and swore that invoking demons was a very real thing, and that playing the Charlie Charlie game even once could lead to dire consequences for you and your family. Sure. Even if the demon invoked doesn't possess you, it may hang around for a while and even invite its demon buddies over for some blasphemous fun. Yeah, or it can make you gay. <laughs> oh, I'm just, God. I mean, look what happened to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You I'm play the Charlie saying. Charlie game once, you're gay. To quote Courtney Love, I'm a walk and study in demonology, <laughs> baby. Yeah. And every single one of those demons made me the fag I am today. 100 <laughs> Yeah. Now, Father Jose Antonio Forte made claims that the requests for exorcisms were higher than ever and blamed the universal rejection of God for the surge in demonic activity. Absolutely. Basically, you're not Christian enough. Mm -hmm. You're not pious enough. You're not God-fearing enough. And now, 
because of it, you are chum for the demons. Absolutely. And he's like the god warrior in all of this. He is like, why do I always have to be the warrior? Right. I walk out of this house every day with spiritual armor on. Uh-huh. 100%. That's it, baby. Yeah. So basically what these two people were doing, running around two media entities talking about the Charlie Charlie game, was fear-mongering. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what it was, and it worked. The thing is, anyone who was devoutly religious who may have listened to these interviews would have dubly been afraid of the Charlie Charlie game, which was about to become a viral sensation when the hashtag Charlie Charlie Challenge started popping up on the internet. Ooh. Now, in a matter of days since the inciting incident in Dominican Republic, the Charlie Charlie game was a global sensation. In less than 48 hours, the Charlie Charlie Challenge hashtag had been used over 2 million times on Twitter. Sure. Now, people started challenging each other on the internet to play the Charlie Charlie game, and you even had major influencers like Miranda Sings or PewDiePie getting in on the trend. Were they doing it for charity, though? No, they weren't. See, that's what the misstep. Yeah, they were doing saying. it for likes and advertising. Mm -mm -mm. Got an ice bucket challenge, that shit. Right. Mm -mm. The thing is, though, with doing the Charlie Charlie challenge online, not many people took it seriously. Most of the videos that were posted were posted in jest, and it became more of a meme than anything else. Of course. And today, if you go to YouTube and you search Charlie Charlie Challenge, you will get dozens and dozens of videos from all over the world. And I'm sure every one of them has a title card or what is it, cover art, uh -huh. where the person's mouth is hanging wide open and they're doing shocked comedy face. Honey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or they're like looking scared over their shoulder <laughs> as if Charlie Charlie is behind them. You've clocked the tea. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what most of them are. And very few of these videos took the challenge seriously. Some did, but almost none did. Yeah. Now, let's not forget, at this point in time, schools everywhere all over the world were banning the game. So some people definitely took it seriously. But as I was researching this more and more, I got to thinking like, was the Charlie Charlie game being banned in schools because people were afraid of summoning demons? Or was it being banned in schools because kids wouldn't stop playing it and it became a distraction? It's kind of like Pokemon cards. Yeah. Yeah. Or nanos or... Fidget spinners. Yeah. Or... Cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. All of those things are banned, not because they're necessarily evil, but because they're just super distracting and the kids won't pay attention to the yeah. work. Or they just make you look too cool. You know? One or the other. For real. Now, the Charlie Charlie Challenge burnt hot and fast. Mm -hmm. In just over a month, the fad sort of died out. And this was for two primary reasons. First of all, the physics of the game were easily explained away. Just like Ouija boards, dousing wands, and pendulums, the Charlie Charlie game could be controlled easily by human interference, even though you aren't allowed to touch the board. Mm -hmm. As we described, the Charlie Charlie game is very easy to set up. All you need is a piece of paper and two pencils, and it's within these two pencils where the magic, with a K, lies. Because you have one pencil delicately balancing on top of another pencil. The slightest movement could cause the pencil to move. The air you expel just by speaking is mm -hmm. enough to move the pencil. And no matter what, it's bound to shift to a yes or no answer. So in the world of spirit boards, it's foolproof. You don't even run the risk of spelling gibberish like you would with a Ouija board. Absolutely. No, that top pencil is destined to tippy tumble. 100%. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would dare name that pencil Tippy Longstockings. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially if it was multicolored. 
colored. Absolutely. Look, I'm just over here trying to formalize the Charlie Charlie game process. I figure maybe if we can add a little bit more visual flair to it, we could start boxing this shit up and making some money off of it. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, we can create the gay version. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The pride edition of yeah. Charlie Charlie. I yeah. love that. It can be yes, queen, or not, uh, honey. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it could be the, the pencils with the fuzzy pom-poms on them. Oh, just like the one in the video for Baby One More Time by Britney Spears? Exactly. Yes, okay. Yeah. I'm or at least one of those um, very novelty erasers that you would never erase with even once because it will ruin the whole aesthetic of Absolutely. the eraser. Absolutely. Yes. You don't want to get skid marks on your hula girl. No. No. Okay. Now, that is the first reason as to why the Charlie Charlie challenge sort of died out quickly. It was easily explained. The second reason the Charlie Charlie Challenge died out had to do with a film called The Gallows. Okay. Now, this 2015 clunker is a found footage movie about a school play that is haunted and or cursed by the spirit of a dead student named Charlie. Oh, I've heard about this one. See, I love all the shitty found footage. You sure okay. Do. Yes, totally. Now, when the Charlie Charlie Challenge skyrocketed into popularity, this was just before the movie The Gallows was to be released in theaters. So Warner Brothers Studios jumped on the bandwagon by releasing a teaser for the film which depicted the Charlie Charlie Challenge being done. Dang. Now, the Charlie Charlie Challenge, because of this, quickly became synonymous with the film The Gallows, and the whole thing was written off as a viral marketing campaign for the film. Yeah, in the grand tradition of the Blair Witch. Yeah, and people felt kind of burned by this. They were like, oh, fuck, we were investing our time and a lot of like thoughts and our internet energy into this thing that just ended up being a marketing tactic for a shitty horror movie. I mean, totally fair. Yeah. The thing is, though, in reality, the Charlie Charlie challenge had nothing to do with the gallows. The movie just sort of jumped on the trend because of the one coincidence that the ghost in the film was named Charlie. Oh. Yeah, but the Charlie Charlie challenge came up before the gallows. So there's actually a whole thing on Snopes about it that is basically just like breaking down the fact that the Charlie Charlie challenge was not a viral marketing campaign for the gallows. I love that. I right? love that Snopes got involved. Get into it. Now, stripped of its mystique, the Charlie Charlie Challenge is not all that enticing. But for a very short period of time, it terrified people all over the world, just like Momo, which I think you already mentioned. Absolutely. But the fact remains is that it did incite group hysteria amongst school's kids. And it did play into a lot of people's fears of demons, hell, and holy retribution. Mm -hmm. You don't hear much about the game today. In fact, I've never heard of it at all until recently. But there have been a few other incidences since 2015. So in July of 2016, it was reported that up to 22 teenagers started convulsing uncontrollably as a result of taking the Charlie Charlie Challenge near the town of Novita in Colombia. Okay. The students were taken to a nearby medical facility and treated, and some people believe that the students were possessed by demons after playing the Charlie Charlie game. Sure. One student was even quoted saying, you can end up dying from these games because you know it's from the devil and you don't play around with the devil. Sure. My question is, did they have a test that day, maybe? <laughs> right. I'm just saying. Maybe yeah. look at the material. That's Could all I'm be... saying. Tiffany Pollard, full words of wisdom for a generation. That's right. Mm -hmm. Now, in April 2017, the... In 
Interior Ministry of Interim Government in East Libya warned against playing the game after it was blamed for causing six suicides in the city of Bayada. Okay. The ministry also warned that the game was satanic and that it was a threat to Libya's national security. Dang. Yeah. And now I wish there was more information about that specifically, but I literally could only find one article with like two paragraphs to describe it. So maybe there are more articles out there that aren't written in English, but I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's kind of strange. A haunted game is a risk to national security. Yeah, that's a little bit wild. Like, it's not a Furby or anything. Right, you yeah. Know? <laughs> I mean, that's true. Just saying. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, okay. Now... More recently, in October of 2019, The Gallows released a sequel, and this time it was actually tied in to the Charlie Charlie Challenge. Oh, did they? Yeah, they were like, hmm, this worked the first time, it's going to work the second time. Sure. Now, apparently, The Gallows 2 wasn't very good, but it was probably better than 2016's Ouija 3, the Charlie Charlie Challenge. Oh, shit, they made a Ouija 3? Uh, yeah, well, listen, there's like so many different series of Ouija horror movies because people can just take the word Ouija and slap a bunch of other words and numbers around it. So I don't know if it's an official sequel. It's kind of like Amityville. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, there is a Ouija movie out there about the Charlie Charlie Challenge. Get it, Diva. And that is pretty much it. That is where the Charlie Charlie Challenge sits today. Like the Ouija board, like Candyman, like the Midnight Man and Bloody Mary. It's a spooky game with a perceivable sense of danger. And that makes it very exciting, especially if you're a kid. Oh, absolutely. That's like Rojo Caliente Supreme. Right. Which just so happens to be my new title in this coven, thank you, Rojo Caliente. Supreme. It's a wonderful title. Thank you. It also sounds like a delicious meal from Taco Bell. It is that as well. <laughs> I'm going to make that happen in my honor. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, with all of that said and done, I really don't feel like this is the end of the legacy of the Charlie Charlie Challenge. I'm sure when we least expect it, the Charlie Charlie Challenge will come back around again, ready to scare your antennas off. Oh, sure. Now, peace and blessings to my sources. Thank you to bbc.com. Where did Charlie Charlie Challenge come from? Author Unknown, which was published on May 26, 2015. Thank you to gizmodo.com for their article, A Mexican Demon Named Charlie is the Internet's Newest Urban Legend, written by Kate Nibbs on May 26, 2015. Also, thank you to WashingtonPost.com for their article, The Complete True Story of Charlie Charlie, the Demonic Teen Game Overtaking the Internet, which was written by Caitlin Dewey and also published on May 26, 2015. Oh, the synchronicity of it yes. all. Yes. Thank you to CatholicNewsAgency.com for their article, Is Charlie Charlie a Harmless Game? Exorcists Say Absolutely Not. Of course. Author Unknown, surprise, surprise. And that was written on May 27th, 2015. Because God is the author. That's right. The only author. Right. Thank you to Vox.com for their article, Charlie Charlie, Are You There? Why Teens Are Summoning Demons Explained, which was written by Phil Edwards on June 5th, 2015. Thank you to... Fiji Sun Online, which was accessed through web.archives.org for their article, Year One and Two Students Play Charlie Charlie, which was written by Louisa 
Quelivu on June 6, 2015. Thank you to Fiji One, which was also accessed through webarchives.org for their article. Three teachers allegedly let students play the Charlie Charlie game, which was posted by Author Unknown and written on June 12, 2015. Thank you to the Fiji Broadcasting Corporation, which this article was also accessed through web.archives.org. And the name of that article is Teachers Cleared of Criminal Offense for Charlie Charlie Game, which was published on June 16, 2015. Thank you one more time to CatholicNewsAgency.com for their article, Reports Emerge of Teens Convulsing from Charlie Charlie Game, which was published on July 15, 2016. And finally, thank you to Snopes.com for their entry, Was the Charlie Charlie Challenge Really a Viral Marketing Hoax? Which was written by Kim La Capria. Thank you. No problem. All right. Look at that. We love a haunted game here. We do. Mm-hmm. And we love dismantling bullshit. It's true. Now I wonder if we should play the Charlie Charlie Challenge. Maybe Take we the should. Charlie Charlie Challenge. You know, we're only five years behind the trend. Why not? Why not? I mean, that sounds like perfect timing for us to get on it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> then at the same time, maybe we can learn how to twerk. Uh-huh. That'd be real cool. What are other things that we can do five years late? Oh my God, we can get our first EOS lip balm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, so many things to do. All right. Well, thank you, Tyler. You're welcome. Cute. Now, do you want to move forward? Let's do it. Let's ask some hard questions then. Tyler, I want to know something. What did you learn today? Okay. Today I learned that no matter how much you believe in the powers of a Ouija board or any other summoning board, don't let it convince you to randomly murder somebody and go to the carnival, which you don't even end up going to. Absolutely. Yeah. Stick to your plan, at least. That's the T. It's like, if you say you're going to go to the carnival, baby, you better end up at that carnival. Right. Of life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I learned. Johnny, what did you learn? Well, I would say for me, when it comes to divination, summoning and just you know general communication with the other realms Mm -hmm. i want to stick to the classics sure you know i love a good ouija board Mm -hmm. i love a good pendulum i love a good i don't need the charlie charlies of it all yeah i mean it's just it's not very aesthetically appealing that's the thing yeah totally if i'm gonna summon something i need to be able to gram it thank you yeah like i need to be able to coordinate my outfit with it will somebody please think of the instagram generation (laughs) for once yeah yeah like we're so tired of only thinking about ourselves (laughs) will somebody please think about us okay anyway regardless that is what i learned okay perfect cute all right Do you want to move forward then again? Yes. Let's read a review. Let's do it. I have a review on this good day. Yes. And you have a review that I love. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get a lot of reviews like this. Well, no. And like, here's the thing. We get a lot of reviews that we love. In fact, basically every review that we've gotten is one that we love. Yeah. Yeah. But this one's a bit of a unicorn. 100%. And this review comes from Rocky Mikey. And it says, straight and it's great five stars and this comes from great britain yes and can i also say when i first saw the line straighten its grade and i didn't see the stars i was like oh god here we are <laughs> it's finally time uh, honey. no five stars so rocky mikey goes on to say fantastic podcast love the subject matter bursting out laughing while listening in the gym is a frequent event having just heard the latest episode i just wanted to say that i'm a straight guy and love listening to johnny and tyler keep it 
going. Yes. Yes. Well, you know what? Rocky Mikey, we love you. Yes, we do. Yes. And we love just, you know, any other straight man that's listening to this show. Like, you know what? Like, we know toxic masculinity in society has done enough to, like, lift y'all up and us up as cis men throughout society. Uh-huh. But, like, just a moment to say high five. Thank you for being here and being allies and listening to two Big ol' homos. Yeah, thanks for being a straight dude that gets it. Because there are many of you out there, there like, are. look, we talk a big game on here, but, like, let it be known, like, there are some straight men in our lives that we love and we cherish. It's true. Yeah, and I'm always happy to expand that circle. So thank you so much to Rocky Mikey for letting your presence be known. Yeah. And please, if you are another man who just so happens to be straight and, like, it's okay, no one's perfect, you can reach out to us. Yeah. Yeah, please, and we will read your review on this podcast, and it will mean a lot to us it's true all tea and it's also a really great way to support the show because it lets the little computers that bleep bloop and run the podcast apps Uh it lets them know that we're worth listening to now if you want to support the show in another way and you want to throw a little bit of money at us because truly it helps keep the lights on over here you can also join the secret society that doesn't suck so no matter what tier you sign up at you get some real cool shit We're talking mini episodes. We're talking exclusive merch. We're talking discounts on other merch. We are talking a community. We are talking a Discord. There's a whole bunch of other stuff on there. There are Zoom events. Yeah. All Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Craft nights every month. Absolutely. Game nights every month. So get into that. Patreon.com slash That's Spooky. It would mean a lot to us. And again, you are really helping us keep the lights on over here. Yes. But if you can't do that, please spread the word. Share us with your friends and follow us on social media. We're at That Spooky Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Absolutely. And you can also email us at That's Spooky Pod, spelled just like it is in the social media, T-H-A-T-S-S-P-O-O-K-Y-P-O-D, but then add an at gmail.com. You can send us your spooky stories, weird shit that's happened to you, to people in your hometown, to people that you love, to people that you hate. Or you can also take some time and send us pet photos. Yes. Because we love them. We are building a hall of fame. We cherish them. We do look at every single one of them, even if we don't get to respond to every single one of them right away mm-hmm. and that also goes for instagram dms and facebook messages just please send us your pet photos we love to see it by any means possible and bonus points if you can slide in a photo of an old english sheepdog but i'll still love you even if you don't yeah you yeah. don't discriminate when it comes to dogs and cats and other pets absolutely now when you're done doing all that don't forget to visit our website that's spooky.com you can listen to episodes from there get show notes from there you can email us from there you can access the secret society that doesn't suck from there and you can even access our store absolutely or you can just go directly to thatspookycom slash store you can get yourself an enamel pin although they are currently sold out until 2021 in january right. when we restock now you can still order one it will be a pre-order it explains it all on there but yeah We have sent them all out there into the world, and we are waiting on more to come in. But they will continue to come back. And keep your eyes peeled in the near future, because just all I'm going to say is that Spooky Bitch shirts aren't where the new merch ends. Mm -mm -mm -mm. There will be a lot more rolling out in the near future. So that is all at thatspooky.com slash store. Yes. Now, I think that's it. I think that's it. We're done. It's finished. It's over. Put it in the bag. Send it onto the pigeon and fly it into the sky and hope it gets where it needs to go. Absolutely. But you know what I'm never going to put into a bag and entrust with a pigeon? 
my love for our listeners. Yeah. It's true. I don't want to give it to some disease-ridden pigeon that I don't know. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah. That pigeon's not a part of my family. <laughs> no, you have to take that love and you have to hold it in your hands and nurture it and give little kisses every mm-hmm. single day and make sure when it lays its head down at night, it's tucked in and very comfortable. But you know what? I would give a pigeon that kind of a love. I would give pigeon kisses just to be able to train it to deliver my love for you, listener. <laughs> okay. You get what I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean. We're wrapping it up, baby. So we love you very much. Kissy kisses. And as always, if you're going to be a bitch. Be a spooky bitch. Bye. Bye. And rest in peace, Elvis, from My Favorite Murder. Oh. What a sweetheart. The world will never forget you, little buddy. Mm-mm, get all those cookies in heaven. Mm. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. (laughs) Judy Justice. Only on Freebie.